I just pray that this word this morning would help us move in that direction and be used more um, effectively for your kingdom's advancement. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm just going to start with this and then I'll let you go. The title, well, one of the things, of course, is 10 signs that you're maturing. And it starts out with, we walk a path of progression and not perfection. Right? So we're always progressing, but we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, the first uh, scripture that was listed on this was to pick up your cross and follow, you know, follow the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very pleasant, you know, and, and I looked up, you know, the scripture this came from, and this was an amazing high scripture and then it just it just crashes this is where um jesus was asking his disciples who do who do you say that i am you know and he says well you're the christ the son of the living god and and jesus says flesh and blood hasn't revealed this but my father is in heaven gave you this revelation peter and um Jesus, this is one of the many times that he was giving his disciples a heads up that I'm going to the cross. I will be crucified. I'm going to be mistreated, but I'm going to resurrect on the third day. So this, let me just read this real quick. This is in Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. The elders and the chief priests and the scribes to be killed and raised up the third day. Then Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall not happen to you. And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So he went from, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, to get behind me, Satan, in a matter of seconds there. And it's because our flesh, these sorts of things, is repugnant to our flesh. And then it goes on, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, verse 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If he gains the whole world and a man uh, and loses his own soul, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in, a, in his glory with the Father and his angels, and he would reward each one according to their works. Hmm. So in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is wisdom right there. That, you know, this life is fleeting. It's just here. It's a vapor. And for us to invest in the things of God, fully invest in the things of God, that is wisdom. That's a revelation from God, and that's wisdom that we were to do that. But to pick up your cross and follow the mm. Lord, that doesn't sound like a very pleasant thing. <laughs> you got to think. Yeah, we all have seen the movie, The Passion. And you remember the scene where Jesus is beaten, and he's whipped, and he's pummeled. His face is just, and, and he's, he's thirsty, and he's carrying the cross, and he falls down, and... and um, uh, the guy comes alongside and the Roman says, you go over there and help him carry his cross. And he's nervous. He's looking at this like, I don't want anything to do with this. Simon the Cyrenian. And he comes in there and he gets underneath there and he's looking at Jesus face to face. It's a depiction, but you think about this. And he's thinking to himself, I'm not affiliated with this. This is just temporary. I'm just bringing this cross up to there and then I get, a, I get to go free, right? And can you imagine the, the, um, the Romans had absolute rule that I don't want to be affiliated with this, what's going on here, you know? And yet Jesus tells us, pick up your cross and follow me. Grab that cross, take that same burden upon yourself and follow me. Mm. 
And it's our sins that we're being crucified there. But we don't end up at the cross. We end up at a resurrection. So this is part of the part of the. So the part of that, that this really is in reality is surrender all. And you hear that and you're like, surrender all. Mm-hmm. This is the only war that I know mm-hmm. on in mankind that in order to win, you must surrender. We're all fighting. We're fighting. We're struggling. We have an inner turmoil. But when we finally come to that place, and even Tina, thank you for sharing that testimony. When we get to the end of ourselves and we realize that we're struggling, we're fighting and we throw up our hands and says, I surrender. Okay, you win. You win now. And this is an ongoing thing to pick up that cross because our flesh does not want to be crucified. The flesh wants to keep coming up, coming up, coming up. And we don't want it. But by surrender is how we win this battle. Yeah, and That's the first point, you surrender all, right? And I was thinking about when we first started ministry, and I know you guys heard this before, but I'm going to say it, it's like we were doing our own thing. At 23, we owned our first house. We sold it. We bought another lot. We built. And the year that Pastor Jay got hurt, we were looking at a 12-acre property. And we were just building our kingdom here on earth. That's what we were doing. And the Lord, after his injury, one of the things he told us is, are you willing to give up your dreams, your wants, and your desires to just trust me on this journey that I'm going to take you on? Right? And that's what he was saying. It was basically, pick up your cross. I'm going to do this. Just like what Jody, Jody's mentioned about going to Florida or even Pastor Tyler, you know, Tina. I'm going to do this my way, and are you willing to follow me? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's amazing that Jesse, you're here this morning. <laughs> yes. Because you work into this testimony. Yes. I remember it clear as day. I was in church. I had gotten bitter against God and my sinfulness. It was me to blame. It was my pride in my heart that was to blame. But my relationship had been cold towards God. I, I finally realized I... I understand that this is the truth and I need to reckon my life in accordance with this truth. Stop ignoring this. Stop being complacent about this. So we went back to church and because of my willful disobedience and my uh, anger against God because how my mom died in that accident as well as other things, just being a rebel. And I went into church and I was like, I always assume when I'm ready to come back to the Lord, it's just going to be there for me. It's going to be waiting for me. And I went into church and there was a wall that I'd put up and I didn't know what to do about it. And Jesse, you were there, (laughs) and you were giving a testimony. This is written in the book, and he was speaking about the things of God, and his face was glowing, and his eyes were sparkling. I go, man, I remember when I used to be like that. I had that relationship, and I seemed to have lost it. And so after church, I went up, and I prayed with Pastor Rob, and I said, I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to get closer. I want to know God more intimately. Hmm. And that was the day that I got into the accident with my hand. And our life took a veering course. I don't blame God for that. But there's going to be a scripture that comes up. He used what happened in my life to get me to the place where he wanted me to be. And if I could go back that day and say, you could go back to how your life was and where you were going and all your pursuits and what you were doing. Or you can continue this path that God chose for you. Would you change anything? And that day I got into that accident, crushed my hand, went into excruciating pain, eventually lost our... This is a long story, but it just was a, a divergence of course at that point. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't change a thing. With the things that I know about God, the intimacy, the things that who we intimately know God, I would not change a thing from what happened there. And 
God has shown himself to be faithful. Very faithful. When I was not faithful. God showed himself to be strong when I was not strong. God showed himself to be true when I was a liar. God is what we're looking for. And this is where this transaction takes place with surrender. It's it's surrender to you, Lord. And we're kingdom builders, right? So, you know, when you become born again, if you just needed to be born again and you're like, okay, we're heavenly bound, he would just take us home, right? But he leaves us here to say, no, like what Pastor Tasha is like, we're going to go and join the team. We're going to get out there and, and share God's love. And that's part of our journey. And, you know, because we're so busy building our kingdom, right? We want everything our way. God's like, no, man, you got this wrong. And because we're stubborn, we party ye, mm-hmm. we all this stuff that we think we got to do. And we're right. He was like, no, man, this is not what I called you to be. Right, And part of all of us sitting here is to find out what is the purpose God put in our hearts to do. And grab onto that purpose and watch what God's going to do. Right? Because that, that is a challenge for everybody. It's not, it's not only for Pastor J. Pastor Chris. It's for everybody. Because he says he forms us in our womb in 139. And he said, I gave you a DNA just for you to do what you need to do at this time in this season. Right? And if we make excuses and we say, well, Lord, I'm busy in this and this, it's like, no, because someday, someday, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for what we did and did not do. Woo! Right? I, I think about that often, like, wow, Lord. And you know, when we do make mistakes, because again, we're on a progression, right? We're not perfect. We go, go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness and repent. Like Pastor G said, learn that humility is good to repent and then move forward. And like Pastor Tyler, I love what he said, to learn how to forgive with no strings attached. Woo! We gotta learn that one. You can forgive, but to have no strings attached and to move forward because God is wanting to use us for his special mission. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. job is to seek what that special mission is, right, Pastor yeah. Jim? Yeah. yeah. So I you know, just want to read the scripture that's uh, affiliated with this second point. Do you want to know God more intimately? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you achieve that? How do you, how do you get to that place? Well, this says in James chapter 4, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. So we humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. We admit when we're wrong. We admit our sin. And then it says, therefore, submit to God. We've got to come under the submission of the word of God. The truth is revealed to us. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves under the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's the promise. You know, He will lift us up when we're humble enough to admit that I need your help. You know, I need your help, Lord, and he will do it. Amen. And are we seeking him, right, babes? Are we seeking him? Do we make time in our day to say, wow, this is more important to me than anything else? Do we have a set time that we read our Bible, we pray, we talk to the Lord, we listen to music, we worship him? Is this part of our lifestyle? You know, I, I, I hope John doesn't get embarrassed by this, but I, I remember John at one time, I don't know if you're still doing this, John, but you would have your alarm on your phone, and the alarm would ring, and I think you were telling me, oh, I'm, I'm basically praying or saying a prayer was that what you were doing right and i thought that was so cool that every day maybe every hour every two hours i'm thinking of the lord and and just setting up a prayer i mean are we so in tune with god that we're doing that Mm -hmm. right the more in tune we are in god the more we hear from him and then he will give us 
directions, right? But if we turn him off and we're like, oh no, you know, and even I love <laughs> Tina's, I go, I did turn him off, but he still was getting, right? He still was there, you know what I mean? But just think how much he would be even more there if we're just so tuned in, right? So sensitive to what he's saying to yeah. us. Um, point number three was, God is good even when it doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Anybody can relate to that? You know, I think the, the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. You know, it's, it's like the world does it this way. God's kingdom is 180 degrees out of phase with that. In order to, um, to be elevated, you must humble yourself. In order to get, you must give. You know, it's, everything is opposite, right? And so there's times when we go through things and we don't understand it. It's like you're in the dark about this. You know, and it's, it's just, you know, uh, where is this all going? Did I do something wrong? What, what did I, where did I miss you, Lord? And you, you're going into these dark times. Of, mm. But we have to, a lot of times when we're going forward in that type of a dark fog that we're walking through, we need to turn around and shine the light behind us and remember yes. the things where God was faithful in the past. Yes. Because God is faithful, right? In Romans 8.28, so familiar with all, to all of us, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. And, you know, like <laughs> Pastor Tyler said earlier, if it ain't good, God ain't done yet. You know, He's right. still working on it. It's still in process. He's still working things out. Because all things work together for good. The qualifier is to those who love the Lord and those who are the called according to His purposes. So as we're focused upon that, if we're intimately seeking the Lord, I want to be in your will. I don't want to be disobeyed. I want to be in your will. I want to be moving uh, in your bequest. I want to eliminate the things that need to be eliminated. I want to be doing the things you want me to do. Yes. And then we can lay claim to that promise. And the story that comes to mind and briefly... You know, in, in the book of Genesis, um, the story of Joseph's life. I mean, this man was given tremendous promise. promise. It's, it really reflects a precursor of Christ. A promise. I mean, I see your, the sun and the moon and the 12 stars bowing at your feet. Whoa, I'm my dad's favorite. I got, look at this coat that I'm wearing. It's a coat of many colors. I'm the favorite son. Next thing you know, you find yourself in a pit and you're being enslaved and sent down to Egypt. And you're working, uh, you, you falsely accused, and you're taken to prison, and you're forgot about, hmm. and all this thing. And then God gives you a dream. He gives you a dream, and you inter or the, uh, he interprets this dream from Pharaoh. Bring you before, he, he, he interprets the, the butler and the cupbearer's dream, and he goes, remember when you go before Pharaoh, remember me. And years go by, and they forgot about him. And then finally a situation, the Pharaoh has this dream. I had this dream about seven cows that came up. They were scrawny looking cows. And then seven full cows that came up, or it was the opposite of that. And he goes, um, I know somebody in prison who can interpret dreams. He interpreted a dream for me. So brought him up out of prison. He interprets his dream before Pharaoh. And he goes, wow, there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. What should I do? Well, you should, you should store up that, that, the, uh, the excess during the seven years of plenty to make up for the seven years of want. And Pharaoh goes, wow, that's a great plan. Who's going to administrate it? In fact, you are the one who's going to administrate. So he went from prison to second to Pharaoh in one day. And so he's there and his brothers have to come down because the famine was great. They all come down there and they got to buy food and he's hiding himself. We know the story, but a push comes to shove. He finally can't restrain himself anymore. I have to reveal to my brothers, the ones that sold me into slavery. They're, I was good as dead as far as they're concerned. Mm. And he reveals himself. And after his father dies, 
This is what it says in chapter 50, verse 19. It says that Joseph said, do not be afraid, for I am in the place, uh, for I am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day and to save many people alive. Hmm. Can you imagine God could turn a situation like that? Such a desperate situation. And you read his account. I don't ever hear the guy grumble. He didn't have the end of the story. He just had faith in that vision that God showed him. And that's what we need to do. We need to lock onto the vision, the word, and the things that God has spoken to us and keep our eyes in that. And it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to go through stuff. We're going to go through some heavy stuff. But this is a sign of maturity mm-hmm. that when we can look at what God says, this is where it all ends up. It has a good ending. Mm-hmm. You know, went to uh, uh, Annabeth's house and my cousin was there. And he says, I got one rule about movies. It better have a happy ending or I don't want to watch it. (laughs) I heard Dr. Morocco say the same thing. It better have a a happy ending or I don't want to watch it. He was, there was a movie on there that was on the TV. And he goes, I don't like that movie because he dies at the end. Our movie has a happy ending. There you go. Our movie has a tremendously happy ending. It has us going into the kingdom for eternity. Uh, just like Pumai, we will sing of the love of the yes. Lord forever. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. And it seems like, I don't know about you, but it feels like it's ratchet up. Like there's so much stuff going on. It feels like a lot of, lot of offense going on. A lot of things that are going on. And we're like, wow, Lord, what is this, this happening? Why is it happening? Because he's maturing our faith. He's maturing us. He's maturing us, right? He doesn't keep us the same. Amen. Yeah. Uh, so number point for number four is forgive. Uh, you forgive anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, forgiveness, you know, we're going to have issues that come our way. There's going to be things that come. And our, our uh, obligation because of what Jesus did is to forgive. We need to be forgiving people and just release it. You know, like Pastor Tyler says, I, I, you know, the reason why we can forgive is because God has forgiven us much. Yes. And we look at that. You know, I think about that, the story that's in, um, it's in Matthew 6, uh, no, Matthew uh, 18, 21 through 35. And I'm not going to go there. I'll just paraphrase it. But it was the guy, the servant who was like, he was absolutely indebted. And he says, I, I, I'm going to pay you back. And it's like in the millions of dollars translated to this, you know, to our numbers in this age. Millions. There's no way he's going to pay that back. And the master says, you know what? I forgive you my debt. I forgive you this debt that you owe. And then he goes and he sees somebody that he, that he knew and he grabs him. He says, where's that, you know, thousand dollars that you owe me? And he's shaking him down for it. And the word gets back to the, the master who uh, released him of the debt. And he goes, I forgave you these millions and millions of dollars. And you're shaking this guy down for $1,000. So this is how we can come into that place where we are like, okay, Lord, you forgave me. I forgive. We should walk in forgiveness. We shouldn't hold people in unforgiveness. Yeah. Just release it. Amen. Release it. Because if you don't, then it becomes bitter. And then you walk around and you can get angry. All these things can come on you because you open that gateway to be able to to not forgive. Real yeah. important. It says in Matthew six fourteen, just closing on that, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Mm-hmm. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, so you know, even the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. So that's, that's where we need to be and strive to be in that place. Right. 
Um, so that was number four. So we yeah. did, you surrender all, you want to know God intimately, God is good even when it doesn't feel good, you forgive anyway, and the next one is you accept being rejected. Oh, who likes to be rejected? <laughs> <laughs> who likes to be rejected? Hmm. We, you know, as I was at the um, graduation uh, for King K, and it was interesting watching the, the graduates and uh, be, I remember before they would try to restrain the, the crowd and they would tell the people, please refrain from any cheering until all the names have been announced. And they just gave up on that. I noticed that they didn't even attempt it because nobody listens to that anyway. You know. And then there's a certain name that comes out and everybody's like blowing horns and everybody seems like all the people know that person. And, yeah, and I'm thinking, what garnered that sort of popularity? You know, what in this age, what, what would garner somebody to be that popular? Is it good stuff? Are you the king party guy? Are you the, you know, the one who just, yeah, I'll do anything for it to be popular? Or, you know, there could be other reasons. I don't know. I was just con- contemplating that in my head. What about the student that is godly? The one who's, who's wanting to please God, not the crowd. Is there a lot of acclaim for that person? Is there a lot of scaring and cheering? Yeah, let me tell you, there will be in heaven for that person. (laughs) Good word. There's going to be a lot of cheering for that person. There's two graduates or three graduates in here that your focus is upon the Lord and not to please the crowd. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to be alone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you won't be accepted. You won't be invited to the parties because you've chosen to follow the Lord. But I tell you what, your reward is great in heaven when you do that. It might not feel so good right now, but believe me, it will be rewarded. Yeah. That when we got to sit alone or we're, you know, at lunchtime, no, you're not, you're not on the popular table over there because you took a stand for Christ. But the Lord sees it and the Lord sits with you and the Lord is with you through those times. Amen. It says, not everybody will cheer you on or understand what you are doing. What is the scripture in Jeremiah? It says in 2 Timothy 3, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It comes with the package. Don't expect that the world is going to be cheering us on to follow Christ because they're not. Because the world is 180 degrees out of phase on the track that we're on. We're going into an eternal kingdom. And it's like, no, 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 get it now. Do your thing now. Get it now. And that's not a popular message when we say, no, I'm picking up my cross and I'm following the Lord. And that means for me to forsake these things now because I got my eyes on eternity. And if you don't understand it or it makes you uncomfortable, so be it. I'm not putting you down, but this is who I am in Christ. And be prepared for that. You know, you would like to believe that everybody cheers you on when you follow Christ, but it's not really so, you know. And you have to do some things that are unpopular at times, but you got to be loyal to the Lord. You got to be loyal to God. That's the first and foremost. You know, like that song said, there's only one name that matters to me, the name of Jesus. And we have to be willing to suffer the reproach for that. And it comes with the package. It's good, Next one, number six, you extend mercy and grace to others. Everybody needs second chances. Thank you, Lord. You know, um, once again, you know, that's, that's one where we could have a tendency when we see a situation that we want retribution. <laughs> I want payback. 
But as far as when we do something wrong, what do we want? Grace and mercy. Give me mercy. (laughs) Mercy. We want mercy, right? And if we can have a merciful heart, it says mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The mercy of the Lord. Thank God for the mercy of the Lord. You know, I mean, when we screw up and he he says, well, how many times should we forgive? Mm -hmm. Up to seven times? Well, how about 70 times 70 in a day that we're supposed to forgive? That's the mercy of God that's given to us. So we can rely on that. You know, I, I like, you know, in Romans uh, chapter 5, I believe, it talks about David. Who he, it says God who, who uh, forgives the ungodly. And somebody to receive that forgiveness, that mercy of God, that faith is accounted for as righteousness. Thank you. Because it's not about my performance in this. It's about my acceptance of what God has done and me laying claim to that by faith, which is pretty counterintuitive because we live in a society that is, you do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, you elevate, and then you gain the right to do this. But in reality, when we surrender to God's will and we accept what he did, his finished work by faith, it says you're righteous right there. That's how God views it. And it's, it's it, what? That, that just doesn't compute in the brain. Mm-hmm. But it's a challenge to lay claim to this. And God says, I'm looking for people. It says, he who comes to God must first believe he is God. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To seek these truths out in the word. And if God is the one who says it, that's the way it runs. We need, to ele- we need to line up our thinking to that. And that's where we lay claim to it in faith. And we have it. Our sins are removed from us. Our tra- for, as far as the east is from the west. Mm. That's where it takes place right there. So good. Not on our good works. Yeah. Good. yeah mercy triumphs over judgment. You, so you extend mercy and grace to others. Um, let me read. Oh, what was Luke? It just says the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, number uh, ver- uh, point seven. It says you recognize the need for the Holy Spirit. Ooh, yes. You'll <laughs> never be alone because you have the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, your Helper, your strength, and your guide. You know, this is. It's so interesting. You listen to talk about hol- the Holy Spirit. Even the people who are teaching about the Holy Spirit. You ever notice this? Where he says, uh, don't treat him as a person. They said it. They, they, when they refer to the Holy Spirit, it's a power. It's that. or it's, And it's really, that's a not accurate view of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spur- Spirit is a person. Yep. And Jesus was saying, I'm not going to leave you guys orphans. And I'm not going to say that I have a grasp on this because I think that in my mind anyway, I think it would be really handy to be at the time when Jesus was physically walking on the earth. And his disciples in chapter 14, he says, don't worry. You're going to be sorrowful now, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come and he's going to teach you all things and he's going to comfort you and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment, his first uh, function. But I will not leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give him to you to help you to walk this walk because this is a difficult walk. Yeah. It you, says, on, I can read in John 14, 16, it says... 
And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. So again, it's a him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What mm-hmm. a promise. You know, that, that was a special thing, because we read about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and... You see, like David, when he got anointed, you know, went went to the prophet and he poured out the oil and the Holy Spirit came upon him. But back in those days, the Holy Spirit would be upon a person, but it wouldn't be in the person. And Jesus says, I have to go away, but when I go away, I'm going to send him back to you and you'll be (laughs) infilled. You'll be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So it's a different dispensation that we have. Um, And in reality, I mean, this is mind-blowing when you hear this, that Jesus restricted himself. It says even though he was God, he was equal to God, but he became a man, he took on a, a body of flesh, dismantled his glory, and he did what he did, empowered like how we're empowered right now. But he understood who he was. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when you see Jesus walking on the water, you know, it's talking to Pastor Rob, listen to this. He said, I've seen, and I've, I've seen mighty men of God and women of God from my history. And he's dissatisfied right now with where we're at in the church, as am I. You know, we, we, we know, we read this word and we go, how come we're not seeing this kind of stuff? How come we're not seeing this? And he told me a story. Uh, he goes, you ever read this book? I, I never even heard of this book. It was called Like a Mighty Rushing Wind. First time I ever heard of it. He said that these missionaries went down there. Indonesia, they got a hold of the gospel down there. And these guys read this as if it was true. And they're doing their healing the, the sick. They're bringing blind uh, eyes open. And, and they're living out in the islands of Indonesia. And they're walking from island to island. To on distribute the on the water <laughs> to distribute the gospel. Because when they read this, they said, Well, Jesus did it. Let's go. Boom, 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 and walk over to the next island. Mind blowing. Because they had simple childlike faith, they believed that these things were possible. It was like, Wow, where did we lose this connection? Where, where did this, how come this came like this, you know? And. Yeah. We believe for Corey's eye Amen. for the full restoration. So, church, remember to pray for Corey. Yes. His eyes for restore, right? Because he can do it. The Lord can do it. Keep that in mind. You know, the Lord, he promises in his yeah. word. And, and I believe it's happening in the world. And, you know, if we position ourselves to be vessels of honor, you notice his Lord, you know, I surrender. I, I want to see this. I want to see greater intimacy with you. I want to know you more. I want to operate more in the power that if we, if we position ourselves for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we would see these things Ooh. manifested in our lives. How do we position ourselves, Pastor Jay? I, I, you know, I get conviction when I think about this, when I'm scrolling through YouTube videos and my phone. You know, and it's just like, you should be praying. You could be praying. You could be studying the Word. And we're so, there's so much distractions, I believe, in this lifestyle, you know. And, and we need to make a commitment and say, okay, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to seek the Lord. I want to I know you more. That's where it's going to happen. Thank you. It's going to happen individually. And then as it happens individually, it's going to happen collectively within the church. Mm-hmm. Because as we come together, and we're called the living stones, we have the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians that we're a habitation, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. 
So when we're all in that same pursuit that we're like, I'm tired of the sick, same old, same old, and doing the same things over and over. When we are sick and tired of that, and we say, Lord, I'm the one who needs to change. Thank you, Lord. And we pursue the Lord and we go after him with these sorts of principles. I believe that's when it's going to happen. But he promises in his word, it says, the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Wait for the early rain, day of Pentecost, and the latter rain. We're at the latter end of this thing. Mm -hmm. We need the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. There's a harvest that needs to come in. There's power that needs to be manifested. Where people say, well, that's, that's different. That's something you don't see every day prophesying at somebody at Walmart yeah. or laying hands on the sick and actually boom and they get healed right there you know so you know pastor you know how I am I'm challenging so this week what if every one of us took the time and said lord bring me a divine appointment and you you can pray for them you can talk to them whatever it is but do something this week Take the time. I mean, there's so many opportunities. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we went out and, you know, we went to buy a feed for a chicken. And this lady had all these patches on. We prayed for her. And then what did we? We prayed for the waitress. We prayed. And I go, what if we did that all the time? You know, just be a light. Like Pastor Tasha was saying. I mean, people are so needy. Yeah? They're so, and all you can do is, I mean, you know, our church is very, I would say, very prophetic. We operate in prophetic things and I believe that God wants it for everybody what if we started praying for that gift so strong so when you would see somebody it was wow can I tell you something the Lord just showed me this what would happen <laughs> what would happen I would be like wow then it becomes that moment they, that, that moment of just feeling God loves them and talk to them through, through, through a vessel right mm -hmm. awesome awesome yeah. You know, the, the next one is refuse to promote sinfulness. Refuse to promote sinfulness. So sanctification is me. I'm set apart for God's purposes. Um, refrain from gossip. You know, we're thinking about this. And, you know, somebody comes up to you and there starts talking about something. He says, can we go talk to that person? Or would you say that in front of that person? And that would be an end to that conversation. Right. You know, it's very destructive. You know, I made, I went to Annabeth and them's house and she made some really good Portuguese soup. And the, the deal was, you make the bread. <laughs> so I love to make bread. You know, I make uh, whatever. It's not that difficult. But I tell you, the key in making bread is the leaven. Hmm. If your leaven is good, you're going to make bread. If it's, now, this is like the opposite of what the Bible says, because we're to have unleavened. When we come and we have a communion here, it's unleavened because leaven is, is uh, it's like a, a, a corrupting influence. But let me talk about bread for a minute. Um, you get leaven, you, you get your leaven, you get the temperature of the water just right. You throw some sugar in there, some flour. Boom. Once you see that foaming, you're going to have bread. It's going to work. I guarantee you. But it says um, in, in Galatians... Galatians uh, verse uh, chapter four. Of, what is this? No, I'm sorry. Chapter five, five verse six. seven. It says, "You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying this truth? Hmm. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you that the Lord that you have no other mind." But he who troubles you shall bear his own judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren. If I still preach the circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. 
For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not lose liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Mm. Very serious um, admonition or you know, correction in the church to watch our words, to watch how we speak about one another. It says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, just a little bit of that will just start. And so I'm making this bread yesterday, and I'm following the instructions, and it's going really good. And I, wow, I'm getting a good rise out of this bread. It's, it's coming up nice. And I go to preheat the oven, and I hit the temperature, but I didn't hit the start on the oven. So I'm looking at this thing, and I go, okay, my, my timer goes off. It's time to put it in the oven. And this thing is looking alien already. It's coming up like this, man. It's huge. And I'm like, oh, no, the oven's not ready. And in order to preheat, it's going to take another 20 minutes. So I'm standing there and go, oh, no, what's going to, should I punch it back down and start over and let it go? And I'm like, oh, man, I just got to have faith here. So I'm watching it just go. And I'm looking at the oven. I'm looking at the bread. I'm looking at the oven. Look at the bread. But I never made bread that came that high out of the pan. It was yeah. really good. It was good. But, <laughs> but it was kind of scary. But just show the power of leaven, how the effect it has, you know? Wow. Yeah. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It says, so purge that old leaven out of our lives individually, collectively as a church. Get it out. We don't want that because God is looking for purity. Amen. And it says, you've refused to promote sinfulness. It says, you are an ambassador to Christ. You are an ambassador. Whew. Right? So, you have to be careful. Even in social media, sometimes, you know, we, I, I have to go on there because a lot of people send me things and whatever. But sometimes I, it scares me to see Christians posting the things they post. I'm like, oh, or attach yourself onto them. You got to be careful. You know, some of the articles, like somebody will send me something. I go, whoa, this is nasty. Right? Remember, we represent the Lord. So what you post on there, what you, you, you eye, your eye gates, you know, what you watch, what you listen to, we got to represent him well. I mean, I notice like sometimes we'll watch a show and something happens and when seen it, I go, oh no, and we kind of turn our eyes and I, I can tell the right there, my, the Holy Spirit in me gets grieved. Right? So we got to be that sensitive because we're living in a fallen world. The world is just going crazy right now. We all see it. And we got to be shining that light. And that light stays shiny as long as we, we, we seek and we stay where we're supposed to be. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And number nine. Get two more, babes. Yeah. Leave your past in the past. Love this. Yeah. Uh, you are a new creature. Refuse to accept the lies of the world. Uh, of the world, God has forgiven your past and move forward. Ooh, good one, right? Yeah. Good one. We have to believe that. You know, we have to believe that if God be for us, who will be against us? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? If God is the one who says this about us and we align with what he says and we lay claim to it by faith, then who is anybody else to say that's not true? <laughs> the devil would like to cancel that out every time. Yeah. But I think he gives God glory. In our fallenness, in our weakness, in our failings, that we choose faith to believe in the finished work of Christ because it costs dearly for us to be able to do that. And when we do that, we esteem the work of the cross more highly. When we are tempted to sin, get a vision of Jesus on the cross with his hands pinned there and his face beaten and the crown of thorns on his head and said, this is what it cost. 
And all of a sudden your sin dims. You're like, ooh, that was too costly for me to indulge this. Help us, Lord, to make those faith choices. Good Amen. Word. Leave your past in the past. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, when something happens in your life and the first thing you want to think, like, oh, I must have done something wrong. Yeah. It might be a teachable moment. God is taking through something so that you can learn something. And you're like, I must be, I must have did something wrong. And, then, and here comes the enemy. Yeah? He loves it. He comes in and he goes, do, 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 do. And he just attacks, right? And what you got to say as a Christian is, get Get thee behind Satan in the name of Jesus and you move forward because he will look for every opportunity to do that to you, right? So that's really important. The past is the past. You nailed it on the cross. You ask for forgiveness and you move forward. Amen. The last one, Pastor. The last one. Fight like 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 a a Christian. Christian. (laughs) The enemy is real and it will use those around you to cause you to stumble. Put on the whole armor of God. Mm. You know, as getting ready for the Bible study on Wednesday and I you know in the morning I was looking at a few videos and there was this this uh, Presbyterian minister I, I shared this at the Bible study group Presbyterian minister in Seattle you remember in uh, when they had this big uh, defund the police thing in Seattle and they're burning the place down and they had a, a city an annex that they said this is chop or it's Chaz this is our separate community and it it spiraled into chaos really quickly. You remember that? I mean, it was just, it was a no, police no-go zone. There was people getting, you know, raped and whatever. This is what happens when, when mankind gets, you know, they they're, they're just want to do what they want to do. Lawlessness in effect. And the point of that was a minister from Seattle, Presbyterian, they're not really known for spiritual warfare. You don't hear them talking about that kind of thing. But he says, I found the reality of spiritual warfare where this darkness just came in this whole Seattle area. And I was reading the comments of people that were from Seattle or said, I seen it myself. You felt this encroachment of darkness spiritually that caused this chaos, that caused this lawlessness. I believe we're living in an age like that, but I also believe that we, uh, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And God has prepared us to do conflict and to stand and to do all to stand during this time. It says in Second um, Corinthians 10, uh, 3, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity in the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We're engaged in a spiritual warfare. We're engaged in there. But you don't go into a, you know, even to play football or to go into war, you don't go in there with your underwear on. <laughs> you go in there girded for the battle. Yes, Amen? yes, yes. You know, in, the, in Ephesians 6, we're very familiar. We put on the belt of truth that holds everything together. So we should be people of the truth. The breastplate of righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ that has covered me. We're under the righteousness of Christ. And we make sure that we keep that thing on and we don't get get it. You heard that saying, any chinks in your armor? That means any kind of, like, I think that was back in the day of of chain mail, where it would be link upon link upon link, and there's a chink in there where there's a a little gap in your armor where the devil would see that and go, oh, I got a spear for you, and jam you in the ribs. Hmm. No chinks in our armor. This thing is tight. This thing is on us, right? Having your feet 
shod with the gospel, the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Thank you, Lord. That we're a peacemaker. We're not a warring people. This isn't a physical warfare. This is a, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, it's a spiritual warfare. It's not a physical warfare. Um, above all, taking up the shield of faith. We've seen that Roman shield that they had. That if they were, they were like, okay, here comes the Romans. And they, they would get a volley of fiery darts and just launch. Boom. And then all of a sudden they gave the command and everybody lift up their shield. And all the arrows stuck on the shield. And they would wet it down with water so it wouldn't consume the shield. That we're into that kind of the fiery, quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The shield of faith. Taking faith in that situation. The helmet of salvation that we're already saved in Christ. Our knowledge is based on that. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Understanding what the word of God is and being able to be effective in the use. And it's, this is the last one. Persistent in prayer, in the spirit, watchful and perseverant. You know that came up earlier today in the service. Perseverance. To yes, persevere. Patience. To be yes. able to handle, to go forward when it's hard. The not quit. And you know, when you fight like forward. a Christian, we have to remember it's the principalities that is causing people to get used, right? It says the enemy is real and he will use those around you to cause you to stumble. So it can be your spouse, it can be a friend, it can be family member because he's just using people to get you to stumble, right? So we got to know the difference, right? Yeah. And I just want to say, if anybody wants to know more about this teaching we gave, it's from the site, I believe, and the author is Renee Davis. She goes actually more into all the different scriptures and stuff. It's a really good article to read. You want to end with anything, man? Yeah, let me, this is one last scripture that I wanted to read. It says, this is in 2 Timothy, if you're taking notes. Chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Hmm. Flee also, useful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. The servant of God must be was must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, with humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been kept, kept taken captive to him to do his will. Mm-hmm. That was what we learned in the bait of Satan. You know, he's he's constantly looking for uh, puppets, mercenaries. You know, and and come into my camp, and then we'll cause. But we'll pray that we won't be those people. That That's we right. will not be taken captive to be puppeted to do the devil's devil's will, but to do God's will. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let's so, pray.